Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. What episode is it, Dave? This episode is 180. There was a wonderful Trigger Happy TV uh, sketch about that. Do you remember that? I don't know. Tell me. Where, where, um, where Dom Jolly stood up and he did like some slam poetry, counting all the way up numbers from one. And he goes to 176, 177, 178, 179, 180, 181. And it sounded like he'd been building up to this big 180 this whole time, and he didn't. And it's just like, well, that was a that was an odd phase in comedy, wasn't it? The Trigger Happy TV years. Yes, yes, that was a fantastic show that mm. uh, came and went almost uh, in record time. It burned uh, brightly, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that was brilliant. Um, but yes, episode 180, we have reached uh, triple, triple 20, three triple 20s in uh, darts years. Uh, anyone listening who's not uh, British, you're wondering what on earth we're talking about, but uh, there you go. Um, look it do up. Do they have darts <laughs> in America? That's a good question, actually. Yeah, I'm they just prob- assuming they probably they call it something like, I don't know, soccer or what, I don't know. Arrows or something. Arrows, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah. maybe. So, um, what are we going to talk about? So, we're 180, fittingly, uh, as the sort of concluding number in darts, the absolute maximum, uh, we're going to talk about um, ending, how how to end your sitcom. Uh, The the, um, hat-trick competition, of course, is uh, up and running. The window has now opened. Uh, It is, um, as in, um, we are running along the same lines as the advent calendar. So uh, day one window has opened. No chocolate, I'm afraid. But... Just um, more work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but if you, if you for those of you who, who've already sent your scripts, uh, which I doubt very many of you will have by now, but uh, it's already too late. So, uh, but hey, if you are very, very close to sending your script, this is a good uh, episode for you to listen to because we're going to talk all about, uh, you know, once the, 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 the script... Get, get, getting to the very end of the script. So, uh, James, would you like to kind of uh, elaborate there? Yeah, the reason I wanted to talk about this was because it's a much overlooked part. And we spend an awful lot of time on this podcast talking about your first 10 pages. And actually, the other day I said um, on Twitter, I said, if I did a webinar on anything, what would you like me to do it on? And someone said, the first 10 pages. Oh, yes, I saw And that. I just said, we, that's all we talk about on the podcast. How on earth could you want a webinar on this? You know, that's, that's everything. And I, and I think I just want to underline the fact that by the end of page 10, the reader has really strong, formed a very strong opinion of your script. And so, therefore, if you're trying to keep your powder dry because you've got an amazing ending, I, I would say those first 10 pages really are every bit as crucial as we continually bang on that they are. Uh, so, so just be aware of that, but having a decent ending really does help. And so therefore I think number one really is in the storylining stage is, have you started writing your script before you've actually had an ending? Cause if you, if you, if you don't have a plan, then you're going to struggle, um, to land the script, uh, in something that's sort of satisfying and you might end up, I mean, it's a bit like, um, those jobs where you do things from two different ends and then they don't quite meet in the middle. If you start sawing wood from one end and then the other end, and then you end up with this knobbly bit, or um, if you start digging a tunnel from one end and the other end and they don't meet precisely. Um, If you've got an ending, if you don't have an ending 
or you've got two or three different plots running and they don't quite mesh together in any pleasing way, then there's going to be an awful lot of regret, wailing, gnashing of teeth and unpicking of scenes. Or worse, you think, oh, stuff it and send it anyway. And that is a colossal waste of everybody's time. Yeah. So therefore, I would say, um, if you're finding it really hard to come up with a good ending, good. It does take a long time. Spend a long time on it before you start writing the script. Uh, and I was just re rereading a really old book um, called Writing Comedy uh, by Ronald Wolf. Uh, he used to do uh, stuff like oh, the rag yes. trade and on the buses. On the buses. Like yeah. yeah. And there are a few little bits of interviews with him, uh, with, with other people like Esmond and Larby. And they would say, and this is what John Cleese said as well, they would spend half of their time in writing an episode on the story so that they've actually got an ending. And so a key mm. part of your storylining is, do I actually have an ending? Which kind of resolves things neatly um, and draws things together and sort of resets where your characters were. So uh, if your sitcom character has won a million pounds, they probably need to lose it by the end of the episode. Um, if it looks like they're going to be relocated to Zanzibar, uh, they probably need to not be relocated to Zanzibar at the end of the episode. But there, but there are lots of other things as well to talk about. But I think that's the headline is the the, the preparation that's required. Um, and quite often the ending is a problem because it's been a bit of an afterthought. So I've got a script on the go at the moment uh, where I've storylined it. I'm pretty sure I know what the sitcom is about and even what the episode is about. But I don't quite have the ending yet. And I'm not going to start writing scene one until I know what the final scene is. Um, because otherwise, I just think you're making life too hard for yourself. I think you're giving yeah. yourself too much to do. I would um, also, if I could just um, take a, a further step back from that and say, um, yeah, you can, uh, I've been, uh, I've just started running a, a, a rewriting uh, course. So I'm working uh, with people who's, uh, We've already written their scripts and um, I'm getting them to look at their outlines and look at their plots. And, and what, I, what, what keeps coming up time and again is um, that the, the, the opening and it's all fine and it's all developing nicely. Um, and that what, what starts to happen is um, the, the, the plot that they're thinking so much about the plot and the story that that kind of runs away a little bit from from the characters, and we have to keep coming back to the characters because, um, as um, John Vorhouse said in that uh, episode that we did, and you know, as mm. I've often quoted uh, Jack Rosenthal, uh, the characters give you all all the answers to your questions, and knowing who your character is. Um, which is a lot of hard, also a lot of hard work to set that up, but it's kind of ultimately it's one word. Usually, you know, your character is uh, needy or mm. uh, or bossy or you know, kind of self self obsessed or, or whatever they are, and that's that's the key. This story, if uh, I'm about to go to, you know, if I'm about to be posted to Zanzibar, then uh, if I'm a needy character. Or if I'm a, a self-obsessed character, or I'm a bossy character, that's that's three different potential routes. But it, it's it's about the character, so mm. so always uh, keep that in mind. And that I think that's where people get a bit lost, and they get to that point where uh, the plots it's not quite working. You know, but 
I sort of know who my characters are and I sort of know where the story's going. Let's get, let's, maybe if I just start writing, it'll work itself out. Yeah. That's, you know. That's a really good point. And I think, so my, and I was going to come on to say this in a way, this, that you've made the point uh, ahead of me, which is great. But just to specify even a bit more, let's say your character um, ends up buying a whole load of pumpkins and they've now got a thousand pumpkins in their garden laid out on the front lawn. What do they do with these pumpkins? Suddenly, you're, you, you could end up with coming up with 15 different ways to dispose of the pumpkins, to use them. Oh, they turn them into soup and they start selling the soup and blah, blah, blah. Now, that's all fine. But what are the pumpkins about? Why have they got a thousand pumpkins? How do they get into that position? It will be an emotional character-based reason. And once you've resolved that, once they realize that actually it's not about the pumpkins, we don't really care about the pumpkins anymore. Um, I was script editing a, a, a script for some um, something the other day and, you know, there was this really nice uh, big set piece scene involving an animal. Um, let's, let's say um, it was a guinea pig. It wasn't, but let's say it was. Suddenly everything's about the guinea pig and there's sort of eight pages of guinea pig wrap up at the end. And it's like, the only reason that we're, that, that this character has a guinea pig is because of a personal quest that they have to please somebody in a particular way. So I think now we're kind of carried away with the guinea pig and the guinea pig business. And we don't, we don't care about the guinea pig. We don't care about the pumpkins. We care about the character. And therefore what happens when you do really sit down and think about your plot and why your character has embarked on this insane quest is you need to know what's it really about and once you know what it's really about you can resolve it and then suddenly you just got a free a bunch of free pumpkin jokes um at the end because the audience don't need to have every single pumpkin accounted for so that we've got a clear lawn at the beginning of the next episode so i think although a sitcom does return to the norm and we do go back everything does reset it doesn't we don't need to see it all go back uh, and reset at the end of the episode. We sort of know that he's going to have the pumpkins gone by next week, and that's fine. So that you can you can play with the convention, but the key thing is, if this is about a vendetta with an ex-door neighbour, that's fine. They suddenly resolve their differences. The pumpkins no longer matter. If it's about a rivalry with a sibling, if it's about proving that they know how to do free enterprise... Um, then, then it's that. It's not really about the thing. And the last third can often just get longer and longer. You're reading onto page 40, you know, 35, 40. Who's going to do the, the best Halloween display, you know? Yeah. Um, neighbour, one-upmanship on a neighbour, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly we, we don't, you know, and once we've realised that what it, they have to win the pumpkin display because of their sister who died when they were eight. And suddenly your character realises Whatever happens, I mustn't win the Halloween competition. And so just find a neat way of them doing that. And then who cares about the pumpkins? Yeah. I've just thought, actually, that's a, that's a really interesting uh, exercise that we, you could do. Or, uh, think, think of a very, very strong character 
any character, uh, Hyacinth Bucket. You know, why has Hyacinth Bucket got 100 pumpkins? Well, you know, because because there's going to be a very uh, important uh, Halloween uh, event or something or a, a harvest mm. event at the church or something. And she wants people to know that she's the most, you know, she, she, she's the most generous Mm. wealthiest person or you know why is um why is captain mannering got, got 100 pumpkins and, and it's so it's so whatever it is whatever that story is it's about it's you come back to the character just yeah. keep coming back to that character i'm just just a thing that uh i before i forget it because it sort of came up as i was thinking about that, that yeah the, the question that i often get asked and i'm sure you do as well james is you know and what what is the point at which you know, wh wh when does the moment come where you think i have outlined as much as i can possibly do if i hold off anymore i'm going to burst or i'm getting perilously close to the deadline what is the point at which I can no longer uh, decide and, and, and there's that you know there's there's not a right answer to that I think um, yeah you know I mean could just say uh, it's um the point comes uh, after you've written 1284 words on your <laughs> deadline or, or on your outline yeah um, but obviously I, I, I think that the answer that I normally give is if you think if you think you're at that point then have another you know give yourself one more yeah go through it one more time and you know add some things and change some things and then yeah. and then do it that that that's i don't know if you've got any kind of uh yeah about that i think that's a good idea just give it one more look have just have a look and be honest with yourself is there one scene where you don't really you're not looking forward to writing it i mean i know lots of writers don't look forward to writing anything um and uh, coming up with it is one thing but actually writing it is is painful and others others actually quite enjoy the writing process but it's just worth thinking just be honest with yourself because because if you're right halfway through scene seven do you actually know what scene seven is doing are you excited about writing scene seven because if you're not it's easy to fix it now because it might mean changing scenes five and six and scene eight whereas as i say if you've already you know stitched your way up to uh scene seven then there's going to be a lot of unpicking to do sorry i live in a house of i have two daughters and a wife and between them they do an awful lot of cross cross stitch and uh crochet and all that kind of stuff and i've seen them ra ravel unravel entire um you know entire panels of blankets uh, well, because they know, made a stitch early on that isn't that they're not happy with yeah, my two sons are both uh, very expert knitters. Um, oh, so, okay. Know, I am yep. uh, smashing the stereotypes there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, but also, um, knitting is not crochet, by the way. Just for the benefits of those yeah, listeners who no, do know I, the difference. I, I, yeah. Yes, I, I mean it's, I it's rugby. It's rugby and uh, rugby union and rugby league. Yeah, I'd be um, thrown to the out outside of... world. It looks like well, they're the same, aren't they? No, yeah, no, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, and just just to pick up on a point that you made there as well, um, James. We we have talked. We we talk about endings in other forms as well. We talk, you know, we did the competition last year, for instance, where you had to write a scene, and the point about the the, the scene writing competition wasn't just the scene itself but what was really important what what separated the better uh, entries from the lesser ones was you had to put what has just happened what and then the scene happens and then what's going to happen and so when you're looking at that outline and you look at the end of your end of scene seven 
and the start of scene eight we want unless it's like a b plot that's taking it away but we want if your your a plot stops at the end of scene seven and then there's another a plot happening in scene eight we want the thing that stops at the end of scene seven to lead into that to be uh scene eight is a direct consequence of what has just happened at the end of scene seven and that's a so so talking about endings is not just about you know the end of writing the sitcom it's making sure that the ending that you have in the scene within the outline is going to take you in propel you into the next scene and that's another thing about what you just said there about you know no writer likes writing um but you can play tricks on yourself and if you know you come to the end of the day and you've set up what you're going to write tomorrow mm. And you you know by the time you come back tomorrow to write it you'll think ah yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm moving on now because i already know what's been put in place to make the next scene begin and then that scene and you have to keep the repeating the process scene by scene by scene yeah um yeah very much one scene tips into the next and so we sh we should we should know and therefore in a way you really should have an ending before you start writing because if you've plotted it at all, then everything leads to the next thing. Um, I think the uh, other couple of bits really is worth saying about the last 10 pages. I think that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Maybe that's yeah. the name of the episode. Yeah. The episode could good. be confusingly <laughs> called It's Not About the Pumpkins, um, but maybe it should be called Your Last 10 Pages, yeah. How to End Your Sitcom. Mm. Um, I think my experience again admittedly i've written fairly mainstream stuff like miranda and um although you know bluestone was not particularly mainstream but and i you know but my observation is in the last 10 minutes the last 10 pages you can compress things probably more than you think you can mm. get away with a bit more cartoonishness and there's kind of a there are a couple of things that can happen especially after you've resolved everything you can have one or two bits that are almost physically impossible or couldn't technically happen and the audience don't care. If it's funny, you can, you're, you're all right. Uh, if it's wildly implausible, it would never happen. You can take it out. But once you've earned that magic, as it were, you can do a bit of magic at the end. So I think what I'm meaning to say is also things can collide in a way that's really compressing time and the audience understand what the ending of a sitcom is like so you know you can it's it's better if you've really earned it and obviously the great masters of this would be um Stephen Moffat uh with stuff like Coupling um but also David Renwick for One Foot in the Grave they're really good at just sort of seeding everything and timing everything so the whole thing plays out like clockwork and he thought it was happening at one rhythm and suddenly there's another rhythm in the background and um uh, Victor Meldrew is buried up to his neck in in, in sand or soil or something or um, whatever it is. So I think in those last 10 pages, you can move quite far, quite fast, and the audience will go with you uh, mm. on that. Graham, Graham Linehan, of course, was also yeah. another uh, uh, Absolutely. The, the exponent in that. Yeah, of, of that. What, what, a thing that I often get when I read sitcoms, a lot of people send the sitcom that sort of reaches that point... Uh, yeah, that, that magic moment, that magic ending of uh, 
well, of the problem being solved. And then there's like another five pages yeah. of dialogue. Um, and, you know, it's just, you, you, you really are working to get to a point of the, the audience. Yeah, you know, it's so rare that you see it because it's really, really hard to do. But, you know, when you see a, like a, a one foot in the grave episode and you get that moment and yeah. it's literally 30 seconds before the end of the episode and it's just a big you know oh my god how yeah. did he do that and, and that is just so funny that is just brilliant and i remember uh, when we had lissa evans uh, on the show and she was talking about um when she she was directing father ted and and this um scene this idea they had of the scene where they're just sort of trying to correct a, a little dent in the in the car and then you know at the end of it uh cut to two hours later and that car is completely covered in, in miniature dents and um she said never quite worked never quite got there but you can see how he ma they, they tried to get to that point and yeah. i watched i watched the clip after she said it and she was right it was it was funny and it got a big laugh but it didn't get that kind of oh my god you know or the equivalent one of being when uh the father said the cues being a racist and the, the very last yeah. shot looks like him doing a nazi salute and with a with a hit yeah. on the stash and the, the the build up to that is just it's a, th a thing of beauty really yeah i hear you're a racist now father uh yeah yeah no it's a it's a funny funny episode the um the other thing i was going to say was on the last 10 pages is there should be no new elements, no new characters, no new plots. You've had 20 pages uh, to get all the pieces on the board and move them around. And then in the end game, as it were, you're, you, you don't really want to surprise your audience with new information and new things. Um, if somebody arrives on page 20, I would say that's, that's suboptimal, but maybe it's okay. But they need to have been mentioned on page three and page 12 or, or whatever, page five and page. So they should, their arrival shouldn't have been, you know, and ideally their arrival should have, we should have seen it coming, but the character for whatever reason, a character reason, refused to believe that this person was coming, um, even though we, we know uh, that they are or something like that. So I think it just feels like, and that, those last 10 pages, you are playing out. Um, it's, it's like, it's like you've got a three-part Bach fugue where you've got the, you know, the first part where they introduce the theme, the second part where there are variations, and the third part, it's all this kind of great big harmonization of everything. And it kind of takes on a life of its own, but there's nothing new about it. So I would say uh, that would be um, another, a warning sign that your last 10 pages probably need another look is that you've suddenly revealed it's someone's birthday um to get you out of a plot problem and the reader or the viewer will think oh that's a shame that doesn't feel right and they may not be able to explain why it feels right and in a way i'm not even sure i can explain why those are the rules but i think those are the rules aren't they dave yeah 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 no i think that's right i really like that um comparison with bach uh piece mm. uh, I, I often think of a, a music music pieces are the very and, and you know as somebody who's spent 
10 years writing 300 or so songs you know i got very much got into the rhythm of uh the, the, the song was the equivalent of the three act uh story and you know act one is the inciting incident which is the 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 um well the act one is the the first verse and then the inciting incident is the core first chorus and then then the complications play out um so the, 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 this this kind of structural uh way of looking at sitcom is is is, is useful i think you know it's only gonna it's only 30 minutes long you've only got 30 minutes uh you know you can't write a 70 minute sitcom <laughs> you know you can't yeah. write a 40 minute sitcom um one one thing I do that helps work, works for me, uh, and, and this is you know different people have different methods, but I, I tend to when I'm outlining, I, I I tend to focus on the point three quarters of the way in on the script. Uh, I I try and imagine a moment where everything is lost, everything could go wrong, and people are aren't necessarily that brave when they get to that. It's like oh I'm going to be late to see the film or something but you know you know you've got to be late to see the film where you know the person that you uh you love who uh has said he's they're in the marry film. you <laughs> is in the film or you know they, they're going to turn up and you're not there and they're going to yeah. finish with you you know yeah. you, you, you kind of really have to build it you have to get get to it, it's, it's not enough just to go oh well, that's a bad thing that's happening you're gonna yeah but make it worse you know you yeah. are your job is to make things as hard as possible for your characters um and and then so if you if you can at least get to that point that kind of massively hard point where everything is lost then i think going back to the very first thing you were saying about you need to know what your ending is that sort of gives you a little bit of leeway because uh you know you know that the answer is going to be something to do with their character you might you might not know exactly how it's going to end but you, yeah. you you know that you've got to get from the point where they're about to split up that's the end of the sitcom uh, mm. or five minutes in five minutes time they will be back together again um and no one will have learned anything so you've you've at least got a a, a route if you don't necessarily have the absolute mechanical specifics there specific, yeah. i think that's really good um I was, as you were speaking there as well it brought to mind like making it worse make the finale worse not only making it harder but making the most of it um this script i mentioned earlier ago about this um about this pet mm. let's say that isn't a guinea pig there was quite a funny scene about the guinea pig being stolen and some people were going off to, to steal this thing and um, it's this was sort of page twenty six to twenty eight of of forty, and it felt like that. So the, the the advice was essentially the bit where they try to steal the thing is really funny, and it could be a lot funnier and longer, and make the most of it. You've got them into this situation where they have to do this. They have to work together you know, real keystone cops here trying to work together to do this thing. So for heaven's sake, make the most of it because it's really funny. You've earned it. And then all this chat about it afterwards, you know, we, we really we really don't care uh, about that. 
and so anyway, he went off and uh, produced a really funny sort of six page version of, you know, where, where all of the characters, they, they've all got their own plan and they're playing their own part in this sort of pet heist. Um, and then it kind of unravels uh, in a particular way, which um, is sort of both in, surprising, but retrospectively obvious, which is in a way what I often say most sitcom uh, endings are. But again, just remembering it's not about the guinea pig. Um, but I think that just reminded me, and I think maybe I, I, I've said this a few times on this podcast, but when we, the, when we talk about, uh, Paul Mayhew Archer, one of the things that he said to me was what Richard Curtis said to him. So this is Curtis talking Wow, is, <laughs> you know, the great secret of writing a sitcom, you know, the funny bit you've got, make that longer. <laughs> and you know, the bit that's not very funny make that shorter and in a way you just think well are we for heaven's sake it can't possibly be that no no it is that try that so if you've got a funny set piece scene at the end make the most of it you know really amp it up turn it up make it even worse um and if you've got scenes on the way there that feel a bit boring and set up-y well cut them down or cut them completely and see if you miss them you probably won't miss one of them um you could possibly explain that scene retrospectively with one line of dialogue and you've just saved yourself two and a half not very funny pages. Uh, so I really would, you know, and it is very hard. So we've talked about, you know, how do you know your script is ready to be written based on your outline? Fundamentally, you don't. And in the writing of it, it is going to start to wiggle around and get longer and shorter in different places. So be open to that. Um, but also just bear in mind that the funny bits might seem even funnier on when you've actually written them out and other bits you thought were going to be absolute gold turn out not to be. That's fine. Um, but you do have to convince yourself um, of each stage of the process before you move on to the next one. Um, but, but yeah. Yeah. And I, if I can uh, add to the, um, the sort of the magic of Richard Curtis, which is, you know, kind of how, how, how do you do that? Well, you, you, how do you be Richard Curtis? Um, yeah, that's a, a, a similar thing that I remember from the very early days of, of the comedy store players um, when Paul Merton, before he was very well known, but he was there and he, he, he contributed very little to the actual, you know, we'd all sit there working our asses off trying to pretend to be in and whatever the audience has suggested and in the pet shop and uh turning up with the stolen guinea pig or whatever the the improv scene was and paul would just kind of stand at the back and not join in but there would be a point where he would just step forward say the funniest thing possible on the basis <laughs> of what had just happened and that was it that was the end of the scene yeah. <laughs> you know, it didn't it nothing else mattered all the kind of stuff we'd worked hard to to, to try to create the kind of characters we tried to build or whatever paul just stepped in says the funniest thing curtain comes down that's the end of that sketch yeah um, you know that's how it does it does happen sometimes but you have to kind of we're, we're not paul Merton, we're not richard curtis so you have to kind of you have to do the hard work beforehand you have to know those characters so so well that you just think oh well actually the character is going to do that yes, yeah of course yeah they are, you know and once you've established that plot point that joke that moment that crystallizes it all and caps and encapsulates it 
the the grim boring details really don't matter and this a really obvious place to find this is in all the murder mysteries that you watch that i watch and you know some of which i've written it turns out yeah um you I mean, we know in our heart of hearts that A, murders don't happen that frequently and B, they don't happen in that way. It's usually the spouse. Um, and C, when they're arrested and they're taken away, quite often they're not prosecuted. <laughs> quite often there's a problem with, with the trial and they get off and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's a whole load of stuff that happens when after the, the, the suspect who's been properly identified has their head, you know, put on you know the, the policeman puts their hand on the head and puts them into the car and that just about wraps it up for this week there's a whole load of admin and taking of statements and prosecute it's like no one cares they've solved the case i i, um, uh, I dare you to write that episode of shakespeare and hathaway where, where somebody dies and we know in the first uh, five minutes who it is and they yeah. get arrested and yeah. they spend the whole of the rest of the next uh, hour dealing yeah. with admin and and, and uh, clever lawyers who managed to sort of t twist talk their way out of it yeah and, trying to get the crown prosecution know. service yeah. even to prosecute the charges and yeah 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 but it's it's true right. but people it's an artifice yeah. But in a way, it's if it's based on a truth, if it's based on an observation, if it's based on a world, characters that we like, that we can relate to in some way, we don't have to like them necessarily, but can we relate to them? Then then the, the details don't really matter as much in those last 10 pages as you think they do. Mm. So I would just advise you to be quick, compressed, reckless, you're tying together the threads that you've been uh, weaving furiously for 20 pages um, and, you know, and but have a plan uh, to, to get into it. I've got one more potential hack on this, but Dave, have you got any others on, on this? Um, the only other thing that I would mention, which may be uh, quite, I, I, we've I've talked a lot about this year it's become one of my kind of um mantras of the year really which is about about finishing you know uh you know when you and, and the, the 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 fact that i i do see this now in courses that i run and things that you know i get a lot of people who get a long way and they kind of reach a point three quarters of the way in uh where they sort of i can't resolve this and actually better that i just give up and, and don't send it, which is, you know, which is your advice if you're not happy with what you've got. But actually the the, the key to bit having that finishing gene is, isn't necessarily to being the best comedy writer, but it is about the massive amount of preparation. The more preparation that you can put into that outline, the more that you know before you start writing the script, I'd say the better your chances of actually being the one who does get to that finishing line. Yeah, finishing is really important and it's not it's it's not even necessarily about talent. It is a decision uh to finish. And if you know that you're struggling to finish, when you're starting and middling, work out a way in which you know how to finish. Um so I I think you need to kind of factor that in. And if you decide not to finish it and send it, that's fine. Uh no one's asked you to write a sitcom script. You're not being paid for it most of the time. 
But if you keep doing that, if it's something you really want to do and you just couldn't bear finishing it, I think that's a shame. So I really would advise that you do try and finish it and just remember. I mean, I know there's the whole sunk cost fallacy and oh, I've wasted all this time on it. And it's no good and there's no point spending it longer on it. Well, OK, there's a case for that. Uh, but I think finishing is really important. And, you know, Woody Allen says 80 percent of success is showing up. That's true. I think 80 percent of success in sitcom writing maybe is is finishing, is showing up with a finished script. Mm. Um, and, well, it could be better. Yeah, of course it could be better. Virtually everything could be better. There are one or two episodes of Modern Family and Yes, Prime Minister that probably couldn't be better. Um, but as a general rule, it could be better, but eventually every script runs out of time and you shoot it. And that's that's how it's going to be. But finish, uh, I think, is, is, is really uh, important. Um, and then the last bit of it's a, bit, it's a bit of a hack really what I learned on Miranda is uh, what I call a plot seesaw which is essentially maybe it may feel like you finish but it's not satisfying or you're only, it's only page 17 it's only page 21 maybe that's not the ending and so it may be that your character has been getting the thing that they're striving for rather than failing and discovering that that thing is not what they thought it was. It may be that they've won the Halloween pumpkin competition and now they're wishing they hadn't. Um, and because, But because it's about a relationship and a personal quest and a character and not a competition, you can carry that over into the second half of the episode where it's a, you, know, you, you can pay that off in a, possibly a surprising way. The obvious example where of Miranda steal, is they, where they. <clears throat> go on. I was going to say they steal the pumpkin-eating guinea pig. That's the. Uh... <laughs> That's right. In Miranda, she's appalled not to be asked to be a godmother uh, to two friends of hers whom she can't stand, and by halfway through the episode, they've asked her, and now having been asked to do it, which would normally have taken a whole episode, uh, she realizes she needs to get out of it, and so she spends the second half of the episode trying to undo the thing that she's been trying to do. Um, so that's kind of another way to go if it turns out that your episode is much shorter than you thought it was. Maybe your ending isn't an ending. Maybe it's a midpoint. And actually, your character needs to undo the other, um, undo what they've done. That's possible out of the several thousand people who listen to this podcast. Uh, they really do. Uh, that might be the solution for eight of you. Um, you know, that maybe you, you need a seesaw. Uh, rather than an ending uh so uh, so that would be my uh hack on that but i think we've probably um done that to death this ending episode should probably be uh ended fairly Finish now mm, yeah yes. excellent so no, uh, tell us about your wares uh dave what where can we find more of dave cohen um well you can uh find me davecohen.org.uk and uh, of course, you can also sign up for my uh, emails that are uh, starting very soon um, about um, looking forward to 2022 and how to make the most of uh, next year as a comedy writer, um, as a human being, really, I suppose, but uh, concentrating yeah. on the comedy writing aspects of that. So that's funnyup02 at gmail.com. And uh, I'll sign you up um, for those emails. Great. Funnyup02 at gmail.com. Yeah. If you want to get a script finished, um, follow me on Twitter at sitcomgeek. And I've got firstly a course called Supercharge Your Sitcom 
which is a short five video course about your voice, your plot, your character and having a plan to get the episode written. There's some free bonus videos as well and some free audio versions of those too from a, from a different uh, session when I've done those. Um, and there's another thing coming out about how to polish up your final sitcom. Uh, so, but look on Twitter for that or go to sitcomgeek.blogspot.com and there's more on essentially uh, polishing. Essentially, I've got 14 problems with your script that I know might be a problem without even having read it. Having read hundreds of scripts and written, you know, 100 plus scripts, uh, these are common to many. So hopefully that will be a useful resource for you to consider getting hold of. Mm. So that's episode 180. Yeah, just one last thing that I will say before we go to uh, the very end is I, I really recommend that you, um, if, if you are entering the Hattrick uh, competition, uh, do listen uh, to uh, previous episodes, but I think particularly episode 173, where we talk about relationships between characters. And I think that's definitely something that uh, we, we, um, we could definitely, every script I've read this year needs people to think about how characters relates to each other and how mm. that relates to the world that they're in and, and I think that's a really useful uh, episode for people to, to tune into. Yeah, that's a good one. There's another one also about various pitfalls of your situations um, but uh, not that you shouldn't set your sitcom in this place or that place but you know, what are the common problems when people do. Anyway, 179 episodes for you to catch up on. This is episode 180. Thanks Dave. Thank you very much, James. And we'll speak to you next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.